welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with business and well-being thought leaders, experts and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. I'm a life coach, speaker, writer, and podcaster too. I am passionate. In fact, I believe that it is my divine assignment to help Generation X women connect with their inner leader, the leader that resides in their emotions, buried by logic and the desire to be good. Logic and being good according to someone else's standards is okay for surviving, but round here, we are in the business of thriving. I use my background in social work, life coach training, and my superpower of loving kindness to help women connect to who they really are so they can expand into themselves fully, embrace their leadership qualities, and relinquish the chaos that exists within the duality of who we are and who we think we should be. My intention for this podcast is to plant seeds and create aha moments that bring you closer to your centre so that you can start to embrace your 360 degrees wholeheartedly. Hello beautiful people, welcome to another episode of 360 Conversations, episode 91 no less. This conversation is a really powerful conversation that is speaking to the amplification we are seeing taking place right now. The amplification of injustice born of white supremacy that has been present in this world since the 1600s when the first slave ships docked in Africa. I say that to be clear because I hear a lot of people talking about the current situation and I would just like to make it very clear that this situation is centuries old. It didn't start with police brutality, it started with a system that was created to create a hierarchy of humans so that it could be justified to use black people, brown people as chattel. This was a system that was enshrined in law, religion, politics, within the moral fibre of society. So please, let's not diminish what is going on by considering it as a current situation. Okay, now for today's episode. I've wanted to talk to Nikki Clinch on this podcast for some time. I absolutely adore the work she does and all the work she shares so generously on various platforms is deep, all-encompassing and holistic. I resonate a lot with her message. Nikki is a spiritual mentor, maturation coach and facilitator and next year she will be a published author with Hay House. Nikki's mixed heritage background is evident in her work in her words. She was born and raised in Hong Kong, surrounded by Chinese wisdom with Buddhist grandparents. Nikki was immersed in a world of ancient truths that stand the test of time. Nikki's own personal experience of being a highly sensitive, what we may describe as an empathic child, turned to her using substances at an early age as a coping strategy to numb essentially the heavy lifting of feeling all the things. As life progressed though, Nikki had wake-up calls that prompted her to get back in the driving seat of her life by engaging in deeply transformative work that enables her, that enabled her to take care of herself and simultaneously nurture her empathic gift so that she could share it with the world. This experience was followed by, or fueled by numerous education, 
training and experience that she now weaves together to support people and organisations to take responsibility and treat life like a verb. In this episode, oh gosh, such a powerful episode, Nikki speaks so emphatically so deeply about maturation and supporting people to show up for life in all its realness rather than this infantilized sterilized I just want to be happy and feel good all the time existing and it is an existence life is real and real doesn't mean that we look like some kind of Hollywood cartoon all the time Nikki shares how maturation supports us to be present with and heal trauma so that the wounded stop inflicted wounds on the wounded. When we start to heal, that's when we're able to make real change. And Nikki speaks so beautifully to that. We speak candidly about how this work helps people dismantle racism, become anti-racist, even explore internalised racism and close the gap on separation. Ah, there are so many mic drop moments in this conversation. You may even need a notebook, but there are so many mess, so many messy, there are so many mic drop moments about the messiness that is coming home to alignment. I could just have endless quotes to share from this conversation. Anyway, without further ado, here is my powerful, profound conversation with Nikki Clinch. Enjoy. So, Nikki Clinch, welcome to 360 Conversations. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me, Tamu. It feels like a really amazing time on the planet to be here speaking with you. It's an absolute honour and um, I'll be honest, Nikki and I have been bouncing around dates because this pandemic threw me left, right and centre and I kept stopping, starting, stopping, starting and I just didn't have it Um, and I think it was divine intervention because things have happened since I was coming backwards and forwards with dates. And I think that this is the conversation we're supposed to have. I had exactly the same feeling. It was actually middle of last week when I, I emailed my assistant and I said, when am I meant to be speaking to Tammy? Because I need to be speaking to her now. Mm. And she said, oh, you're already booked in for Tuesday. And I was like, wow, that is divine timing. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm very honoured, I'm very grateful to have you here. As I said in the intro, I've had my eye on your work for a long time because uh, before I, I ask Nikki to tell us about herself and, and her work, I just find your work so refreshing in this wellness space because it's all-encompassing. It's not this glossing over that we often find within the personal development self-help space it's really um before we started recording we were talking uh, i was talking about being like a mountain your work is like being like a mountain Mm. thank you for saying that that is how it feels yeah i often say to people who come to work with me particularly in the bigger groups this work is not for everyone but it is the work Mm-hmm. Hashtag the work. So, Nikki, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, um, I'm 41. I'm a mother of two young children, um, married, and I live here in Hackney. And um, I have been on a huge journey myself. Um, it began for myself, my healing my own trauma. I went through a lot of trauma as a young girl and went through addiction and. After 10 years of working on myself solely, I realized that I had to, I had to do something with this for my life. I mean, I just felt lucky to be alive. So mm-hmm. I trained to be an integrative counselor and I specialized in trauma and I, and I then went on to um, train as a maturation coach. And, you know, my work really is about 
holding a space. So far it's been for women, but it's evolving into human beings and mm-hmm. as a species to really grow out of who they thought they were and to embody and become accountable and responsible for who they were born to be. And that that is the greatest gift that we can give to this planet, to ourselves, to everyone around us, and to this planet. So mm. What I do. <laughs> that was like a starter that was so good. You're wondering whether or not you actually need the main. Love it. <laughs> Love it. So, Nikki, you talk about ancestors, ancestral wisdom. When you become an ancestor, which, you know, we pray is in many, 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 many years time. When you become an ancestor, how do you want people to remember your work? Firstly, when I saw this question and you told me you were going to ask me this, I, I just think it's the best question anyone's ever asked me. So thank you for asking it to me. Um, how do I want to be remembered for when I'm an ancestor? I want to be remembered as as one of the ones that that really made a stand for healing that ancestral line, for changing the trajectory for my future, my children's future, my children's children's future, and for every woman's future on this planet. That when we make when we make whole the parts of ourselves that we are carrying from God knows how many lines, when we make wholeness there, that impacts everybody that comes us, and that impacts every woman around us. So I want to be remembered for one of those ones that made that stand. Yeah, big, 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 absolutely gorgeous. And why maturation? Of all the things, why maturation? And may I caveat with that was one of the most attractive parts of your bio on Instagram for me. Well, you know, I say this often to people who come to work with me, um, and this is what happened for me too, is that, you know, when, when, you be- when, you, when you become in alignment, when you come home to alignment, you don't have to search for your purpose. It comes and it smacks you in the face, and then you can't ignore it. So, you know, I was just doing the work on myself. And the more I came into alignment with myself, I just kept listening to life and listening to what life needed for me. And it just kept growing and growing from helping women feel better to helping women heal trauma, to helping women become more empowered. And then it was like, no, this is bigger than all of this. This is about our evolution. This is about coming home to a place of wholeness. And that's where our power lies. And that's when really I I started to own the space of maturation in my work. Mm. That, you know, it is a growing process. And and what I love about maturation is that, you know, it's not like we have to do something to then become a bigger, better version of ourselves. We, we were always meant, it's always been our destiny to grow into this being. It's always the caterpillar's destiny to become the butterfly. The seed is meant to become the flower. We're meant to grow into this expansive full bloom. Mm-hmm. It just may not happen in one lifetime. Um, but that is our destiny. And so I realized that as I came into my power, and I'm still going, I just felt more me than I've ever felt in my life. It wasn't like I became someone else. And I was like, oh, this is what maturation is. We actually embody who we were always meant to be. So it kind of came and hit me in the face and I listened and then I, and then I took responsibility for it. <laughs> so powerful. I'm thinking about you know, it's probably like a really wide question to be asking within a podcast, but what did it take for you to answer the call? Well, that's a big question and I'm glad you've asked it because I think people need to hear this. Mm -hmm. This is not an easy path. There ain't no feeling better in this path. (laughs) Um, The world is addicted to feeling better. 
Um, and I think that we've gotten to a time on this planet that it's too late for feeling better now. We need to do, we need to go deeper. And so what has it taken? It's taken me continuously, every single day, making a commitment for what is in integrity and for what is my truth. And that has meant I've had to let people go, places go, dreams go, or what I thought were my dreams. Mm -hmm. You know, last year, I was signed by Hay House to write a book called Warrior Woman. My whole brand was called Warrior Woman. And then I woke up to realize that was me trying to deal with my trauma of my past. That, that the warrior woman was some part of me that was trying to survive. And mm. so I then had to let that go. And I, I let that book die. I let the brand die. And it was wow. like this continuous commitment to what is true and what is inte integrity. Because that, that is, that's all I can do is do my work and be that commitment. And then where I speak from can come from there with anyone else. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not an easy, nice, feeling better path, but hell, it's a, it's a worthwhile one because this is where truth lies. So Nikki, I want to ask you about a word that you repeated a couple of times. And that word, it's a word that I enjoy weirdly and people think what they think. Anyway, commitment. Yes. What does commitment mean for you? and? I ask this because whilst I love intentions mm -hmm. where I've been able to make change in my life and support people to make change is when that intention became a commitment. So I, I would yeah. just love to hear from you what commitment is for you. Yes. So, you know, commitment is, is the way that we live our life. Say that again, please. <laughs> the commitment is the way that we live our life, aligned with the intention. You know, and this is the part that a lot of human beings want to miss out. We all want the big, nice, awakening experiences, but the part that actually changes our life, where transformation occurs, is when we go home and we have to do it every single day, for the rest of our life and that takes commitment mm. it's it's oh you see this is this is the thing we think that we need to go to a retreat or to a workshop or to even have a talk by someone like me or you and that will change our life no it always comes back to the same thing you may have a waking up moment but the only one that can change your life is you mm. and you can only change it by waking up every single day and committing to what you want for your life and what you want for yourself. And, and what I love about that is that it comes back to the same thing. We are the power. We have the power. It's not out there. It's in here. And that's, that's a part of conditioning that we have had, we have to continually unlearn. You know, you look at what's happening right now in the world and how many people are protesting and you realize, wow, we actually have always had the power. <laughs> and that has never, that has always been the truth. And that comes back into how we change our life. So commitment is, is the active part of the intention that creates change. <laughs> commitment as a verb. It's a verb. It's a living, active way of being in your life, in the world. And I'm guessing, Nikki, that that is why you're, there's a growing need for your work. I believe so. This is certainly what my book is about. Um, and, you know, it, it's taken a, a while for people to want to come and do this work because it takes commitment. Yeah. Um, and, but I think we are getting to a place now when it is undeniable that this is really the only way now forward. Um, as a species, really, um, we, if, if, if anything, we have been learning continually since this pandemic um, and now what's happened in the last week 
is that we have we have to reevaluate re how we have been living our life and who we have been being in it. And to change that, we have to we have to we have to commit to a new way of living and that doesn't happen overnight it's not going to happen with a nice instagram post it ain't going to happen in a pretty in an in a retreat it's going to happen through us living a new way and and going deeper and i and i talk about this now uh, i've been talking about this this week you know this is the calling we're being called now to do this work mm. um, and every single one of us is is getting the invitation. <laughs> and you know what I would say very boldly to that, speaking to your work in maturation, not answering the call plays into the infantilization of us as a species. Yes. This, what you were speaking to, this got to be better. And, and this, I just want to be happy. That infantilizes us. Yes, I think it does. And and you know, as long as we are living in a way where we are continuing this idea, and it is an idea um, that we are separate, um, we will continue to stay where we were, and nothing will change. And now it's getting too late for that. Um, and that's why this conversation that's, that's erupted since George Floyd's murder um, is so important and so powerful because racism is a, is a, is a symptom of separation, of trauma. And, and so everyone is now being, being forced to go deeper, to look at the parts of themselves that has contributed to keeping to separation, uh, which comes from fear. And so, you know, that's the invitation. That's where the work lies. This morning, yesterday, uh, my friend, who's also a coach, Jessica Rogers, sent me a um, podcast. Um, and as soon as I saw the name, I um, smiled. Um, she sent me a podcast. It was, I think the podcast is called On Being by Krista Tippett. And um, she was speaking to Resma Manakem, who is a psychotherapist. Um, he's a, um, I don't know quite what he does in somatic work, but I know that he has um, studied with Peter Levine. So I'm going to say somatic experiencing, but I'll make sure I put links in the bio. And they were having a conversation about race. And it was so interesting. He was talking about it at a trauma level, at a body level. So he was talking about um, how trauma, how uh, about racialized trauma living in the body. Mm. And something that he said at that conversation, it was so interesting to hear Krista, who is a white woman, mm. experiencing discomfort sitting with it and allowing that to be because I, I just had a sense that she, you know, she's a very experienced woman, but I just had a sense that she knew that that was the path that needed to be trodden. And yes. in his conversation with Krista, Resma said, um, when it comes to race, white people not doing the work makes them more mature more immature as there is an expectance that other races will do the work to soothe them and my interpretation is and in essence molly coddle their discomfort he said um to um and this is why i thought of you he said all of us are experiencing trauma and that racism comes from trauma he talked about um medieval times paving the way for racism and he said when we are able to root and ground this helps us as black people brown people people of color allow white people to root and grow yes so what i would like to speak to is how can the work around maturation support yes. because because you need to be interested support particularly white people that have an interest in dismantling systemic racism 
Well, I mean, maturation, it's the same process. It's an unlearning process. Maturation itself is unlearning the conditioning of who you thought you were. And, and uh, you know, the conversation of dismantling racism and white privilege is the same conversation. It's the same work. Um, it's just solely um, focused on that particular conditioning which is seeped into the pore of a white person of us of our, our white beings i mean i'm half white and it is a, it's in our pores and 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 it comes from um carried on trauma where we need to continue some form of superiority or separation or soothing ourselves really it's that avoidance of 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 like you said, being with the uncomfortableness. Now, any form of survival strategy um, to get away from pain, there are two ways in which human beings deal with pain. They either resist or they submit. And, and we will create all these survival strategies in order to get away from pain. And we can build whole personalities, whole characters, whole lives based on getting away from being with this pain. Now, dismantling white, white privilege and that conditioning is dismantling all those survival strategies in which we thought that was who we are to get away from the pain, not just the trauma that we're carrying from our ancestors, but the trauma that we have created and that we, our ancestors, have created. So, you know, it is our maturation. This is part of our maturation. And, and, and what has happened in the last week, particularly with many I've seen in my clients, is that white, white people, particularly ones who are doing the work or have begun doing the work, they, the, they continuously have been saying, I feel like I have been smashed open. Hmm. And that's what needs to happen. And then this deep, deep, deep uncomfortableness rising. Now, how much can we be committed to being with the uncomfortableness? Because it is only in the uncomfortableness that we can feel, that we can come back into the present, that we can face ourselves, that we can see the truth. And only from there can we create change, create something new. Mm -hmm. But first, something has to break down. First, we have to feel the uncomfortableness and be with that. And that it's the same process in all forms of maturation. We have to feel the things that we resist. Mm. Because so much of the behaviors that create separation are in resistance to that. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just drinking it all in, drinking it all in. And something that's come to mind... Something that I've seen a lot. So I am very blessed that years ago, I think it was, I was listening to um, Sarah Tasker, I think her name is Mia Norla, on a mm -hmm. podcast. And she was saying that your social media feed is your sacred space. And when I heard that, I was like, that sounds a bit OTT, but it landed somewhere in my body that I wasn't connected with yet. So mm -hmm. I just left it. And when I started this brand, I decided that it would be a sacred space, partly because it's a, it's a business, you know, shop window, but partly because I didn't want to be distracted by stuff that's just not in alignment with where I am currently. So I have a lot of um, white women, Asian women too. My goodness, my Desi sisters are standing up and they're not just calling out white racism they are calling out anti-blackness in the asian community shan asian female entrepreneur collective i see you i appreciate you uh my good friend mala sikuma feel good yoga but what, what i'm what i'm seeing in the people that are keen to do the work this thing that you're talking about about being better which I think falls into this categorization of, I want to be seen to be being a good human. There are a lot of people who are frightened of making a mistake. How does the process of maturation support people who are thinking this way? Well, firstly, um, the first thing I would say to that is to, to dismantle the idea that you're meant to feel comfortable when you're speaking your truth. 
Um, when you're speaking your truth, it should feel like there is a fire moving through you. Um, it should challenge every part of you that makes you want to hide. If you're really speaking truth and power, um, then you should, it should be challenging all the conditioning that has kept you small. Um, and, and sometimes it feels like you're jumping out of a building and you don't know whether you're going to land okay. So I always say, you know, whatever idea you have that when you finally one day speak your truth, it's going to feel great and amazing and you're going to be flying. It takes time till you get there. There's a lot of wobbly moments when you're like um, just trying to sit in your own skin while you're speaking, that that's very uncomfortable. So, you know, this whole thing about not speaking at all because you don't want to get it wrong. Um, oh, essentially, you're feed, we're feeding into the fear. And as long as we stay small and we keep our voice small and we don't speak truth, we are contributing to fear. Um, and, and nothing can change from that place. So it takes risk. Being our full whole selves takes risk. We have to challenge so many forms of conditioning, so many systems. As a woman, speaking mm. truth, you know, like taking up space, uh, being powerful. We have to challenge so many um, systems. So, you know, I, I like to take away that expectation <sighs> that it's going to be, that it's not meant to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, when you can allow that in, then somehow that kind of um, expectation or, or the resistance of being uncomfortable can start to dissipate. And it's like, okay, well then, well then what do I care about? What moves me? Uh, what would it feel like if I didn't speak right now? Mm. How would I live with myself? And I think a lot of people have been facing that. I mean, last week I had to take a couple of days um, to gather myself before I finally spoke out publicly. And I noticed it was even watching myself and going, Oh, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. And Oh, what if I upset people and watching all that fear play out. And then I realized, Oh, that's just the conditioning that I'm playing into the conditioning by not speaking. The best thing I can do is speak my heart and take the risk to get it wrong and then listen and pay attention than to not speak at all. Mm. Um, and it goes into this whole thing of feeling better. You know, I think, I, I think that we need to dismantle this idea that we, sh that we need to be getting it, that there is a right or wrong. There's integrity and then there's out of integrity. Mm -hmm. Whatever the pictures we have of what right is, they're being smashed to pieces right now. <laughs> That's conditioning too. Yes. <laughs> We've yes. been fed pictures yes. of what it is to be right or what it is to look right and say yes. right things. Um, and I, and so there is no right or wrong. There's only what is true and what is not true. <laughs> I was having a conversation earlier on today where somebody um, kept talking about what makes sense. And I could really hear that they were trying to logic their way through something that needed feeling their way through. And um, so I, I asked her to think about where logic comes from. Logic is a very um, masculine, and I mean, you know, the, the characteristic, characteristics of masculine rather than like a man. It's very masculine patriarchal and our, our our patriarchy is steeped in white supremacy so i was like what is the what is this like the the more logical we've become the more um detached we become from our humanity what do you think our obsession with logic is because logic is gives us a, an illusion of control Ooh. You know, when we, we have pictures in our mind or ideas in our mind that if we just do the right thing or if we just fit in the right box or if we say in the right way, then some way, somehow we have some form of control. And, and really the place, the, the place where real life is, is in the feeling. It's in the being with. And when we really allow ourselves to go there, we realize 
we don't have much control. We don't know much. Like we have to sit in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's an uncomfortable, raw, vulnerable place to be. Now, but that is where we get to hear something truthful that hasn't been programmed or fed to us. That's where we tap into something much deeper. So I think this attachment to logic is, is the attachment to the mind. It's the attachment to, to having some kind of control over who we are or how our life is going to be. But all of that is about survival. Mm. And survival has nothing to do with living. Survival is only about not dying. Survival has nothing to do with living. It is only about finding all the ways that we need to hook onto in order to not die. That's not living. Mic drop. Living is when we are back in the moment. Everything in the mind is in the, is in the past. It's all memory. It's all programmed. When we start dropping back into the body, into the feeling, into the being with what is present in our body and our being. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, we have to feel, but that is where the life is. And when we can start to learn how to listen to that, speak from there, be in that space of unknown, but somehow knowing at the same time, a deep knowing, Mm -hmm. You know, I believe that's where we really start to create change when we speak from that place. Mm. And, 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 and it won't make any logical sense sometimes. Often it won't make, when I, when I dumped my book and I said to my, my editor, this isn't the book I was born to write. She was, I was like, I'm telling you, I can feel it. It's not the book. <laughs> she was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I can't logically explain to you why. I just know. Yeah. Um, now that's commitment <laughs> is to listen to those moments. But that's where truth starts to come through. And, and so I guess the, the risk is we have to let go of, of what we th- think is the control, the logic, mm-hmm. have to start releasing that and start listening to something much deeper. And, and I'm, I've been hearing a lot, of, a lot of people speaking about taking risk. I've been hearing a lot of black people speak about you have to take white people, you cannot do this without taking a risk. You can't do this without being comfortable. And, and when I hear in that is that to really speak truth takes risk to challenge anything that we've been conditioned or anything that has, that we thought who it was, who we are. It mm. takes a risk. I heard Jordan Peterson speak once. Um, he said a beautiful quote. He said, you know, we all, we all want some form of guarantee. We all, before we make any change, we want to know that it's all going to be okay. But we'll never know. We can never, ever know if it's all going to be okay. So the risk is actually real. There is a risk. But then we only really have two, two choices. Do we stay where we are? Or are we willing to take the risk in order to make a stand for change? Not knowing where it's going to take us. Not knowing where we're going to land but trusting that in moving in that direction, we are following something truthful. Now, that's where I think we are right now. Mm -hmm. We're moving into the complete unknown. We're just at the beginning of it. And when that happens, you know, what we know gets smashed apart. And, and it's very uncomfortable, but, but in the process, and this is maturation, in the process of going into the unknown, we, we allow a completely new possibility to start coming through. You know that the caterpillar actually has to become mush in some mm-hmm. like actual liquid. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because yes. before it becomes like poof, yeah. big butterfly. <laughs> so it takes a real commitment to trust thinking about trust 
and, and the commitment to trust. How can people resource themselves like on a, on a basic day to day, no, not basic, on an essential day to day level, how can people resource themselves so they develop the capacity to trust? Well, there's two answers to that. Um, one is the small T, as in the small trust, and one is the bigger trust. So, mm -hmm. I, small trust requires, like it, like it takes time to build trust. Yeah. You know, if we get into a relationship, we don't just immediately trust. We have to build trust. Trust needs to be earned. So again, it's that every single day showing up of ourselves that builds trust. Now, um, I think what's required is slowing down. We move super fast and we move fast because we want to avoid and distract and resist. Now, slowing down, um, starting to commit to practices and rituals where we are actually getting to know ourselves, our truth, coming out of the distraction and the resisting. So journaling, meditation, breath work, um, learning how to, to share truthfully with mm -hmm. others, to, to speak truth and then be witnessed. You know, these practices in itself helps us meet ourselves again. And that's where we start to hear truth. Now, building trust is to show up for that, is to keep showing up for that. I keep, I'm leading a program at the moment called Homecoming, and we're just in week two, and it's about self-responsibility. And, and I'm saying, if you want to come out of the victim and become the woman, you have to start being the parent you always longed for. You have to show up for you. And that needs to be, that needs to be earned, that trust. Mm -hmm. And so how can you show up for you today? Is it by taking a nap when you're tired or is it saying something when something's not okay for you? It can be, it can be big actions. It can be small actions, but mm -hmm. every single action in that direction creates a foundation of trust, trust in yourself, mm -hmm. who you are. Then there's the big T. <laughs> and for me, that's, that's a choice. Uh, I had a teacher say to me once, some, you know, Nikki, sometimes you have to make the decision to trust even when it seems impossible. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a necessary choice to make, particularly when you're in the process of, of maturation. Because when you can't see where you're going and you can't see anymore who you are or you can't see where this is taking you, you have to choose to trust in something bigger. Mm -hmm. And it is a choice. Um, certainly that I, you know, when I look back on my journey and I, I came out of a drug addiction, eating disorders, I had a lot of trauma. When I look back on my journey, I know and I, I lost a lot of people on the way. I lost a lot of people to, who didn't make it through drug addiction, who didn't mm -hmm. make it through their illnesses. And I always go, why, why was it that, I'm, that, I, that I got here? Why me, not them? And I, I look back on it and I, you know, I always trusted mm -hmm. in something bigger. I, I've mm -hmm. always had that connection, even when I've been on the floor, that, that I, I choose and I do trust in the bigger process. And I, and I think it is a choice that we can make. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Love language. Um, I want to uh, segue into a glorious quote. I don't know who sent me this quote, but that doesn't matter. It's a glorious quote by Audrey Lord. And she says, the sharing of joy whether physical, emotional, psychic, or intellectual, forms a bridge between the sharers, which can be the basis for understanding much of what is not shared between them and lessens the threat of their difference. Mm. Nikki Clinch, how does that land with you? You know, I read it a few times before I came on to speak with you and, every, and even just you speaking it again, it just landed again differently. How I hear it is that the energy of joy, the vibration of joy is, is the energy of life. Mm. That when we bring 
aliveness when we bring that that energy of life into a space either through our speech either through our heart either through just who we are um i think what it does is that even without someone consciously understanding or knowing it and i do see this with people i work with it reminds it reminds someone who they are it reminds someone about about life and i tell you something we think we're separate from life but we're not we are life come on we think that we are someone in a life and that we have a life but we're not we we are life and and when you bring that you know joy has a vibration of aliveness when you bring that somewhere it 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 creates a memory a reminder to someone about oh there's more there's more to this than survival there's more to this than what i thought maybe this is who I am. And what yeah. it also does is that it brings unity. It brings togetherness. It, it, it takes away or heals that separation. So when, that's what I hear in her voice in, in mm-hmm. this room, is that when we can be a commitment to bringing that to our spaces, to our women, to our partners, to our children. And it's not, this isn't about putting a big smile on your face and going, oh, I'm happy today. Mm-hmm. It's a vibration in which we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's the vibration of love. It must be love. And love, you know, love can be, you know, a, lion, a lioness will kill for her babies for love. Hello. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 But, but there's, a, there's a, an incredible energy to it that, that creates unity mm-hmm. and wholeness. So what, that's what I hear in that quote. <sighs> that's just... So, so, so my thing currently um, is life as romance. Like I just keep saying, if it doesn't feel romantic, I don't want it. And romance isn't easy. Like you need to keep showing up for romance. And as you shared how that beautiful quotes from Audrey Lord landed with you, it just felt so sensual. And mm-hmm. so, you know, mm-hmm. not sexy, but sensual, really yeah. root chakra. Mm-hmm. because there is life everything is alive you know that root chakra energy that sexual energy that sensuality that's life force that's aliveness that's our particularly for women as well that's our that's our life force yeah and it's the same energy that creates it's creation you know that's how our babies are made that's mm-hmm. life gets born there so mm-hmm. you know everything is alive like we think that we need to do stuff to get a life but if you're really present and you're really in living in this space you can just stare out the window at the leaves on the tree and experience aliveness you know i can sit with my son building blocks on the floor and there's this incredible aliveness like that what i hear when you spoke about romance you know I hear in the word romance, I hear beauty. Mm. There's beauty in life. Mm-hmm. There's beauty in, the, in everywhere. It's mm-hmm. just that we're so busy being distracted, we miss it. <sighs> that, that aliveness, whatever I was doing, whatever day, and I was, I was you know, feeling into the aliveness in my body. And um, I, I, when I'm quite um, pleasured by something or excited i had there's a lot of activity in my feet and my calves Mm. and whatever i was doing i i decided to um just just rub my thighs and i was like wow i don't often feel like yeah if i'm doing a workout i don't often feel my thighs so my uh part of my life work currently is feeling the aliveness in my thighs because it just made like for me I was like okay so that's a point of disconnection there so it's it's some you know more body scanning when I'm taking a shower you know yeah I use my washcloth or sponge or exfoliating thing but actually more more times a week actually Mm -hmm. using my hands to rinse my body off and connecting with my body and feeling all my body parts and feeling what the skin feels like when it's wet, when it's soapy. Um, you know, I, I'm often, you know, recommending to people to have a, a mindful shower and just thank all their body parts as they're showering and, and feel themselves. And I was like, 
part of my work yes. is feeling myself so yeah. that all my parts are connected. Yes, I completely identify, you know, so much of my healing has been the same. You know, I used to always think I had to look outside of myself to to find that connection. And it was really only when I started to really, you know, play and, and enjoy this sensuality, my own sensuality of touching my own body, like dancing with my own body and, and, and allowing that, that touch, that connection to move through me. I was like, Oh, I actually don't need anybody to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Everything else is a bonus. (laughs) I got this. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And it, and it's just, it's always there. And it's interesting because I've now, I now notice that this sensuality comes through when I'm writing my book and it comes through when I'm leading a program and it's like, Oh, because Mm -hmm. it's not out there. It's us. We are life. We have life moving through us all the time. (sighs) All the time. (sighs) I just, (laughs) I just want to drive my car and come to Hackney and just sit down (laughs) And continue this conversation it's been so nourishing it's it's been so nourishing not just to hear you know as a black woman to hear a, a woman who is mixed with white speaking freely not tiptoeing around speaking freely and powerfully about our work as a as a race and I just think many people are going to be able to answer that call listening to this if I would say one thing to that um, and this might be hard for people to get but I want to say it anyway you know our conditioning is not who we are whatever we've learned it's what we've learned And it is our responsibility to unlearn it and to do the work in order to heal. That is our, that is on us, but it is not who we are. And so if we can, if we can sit with that, it allows us to look at it with much bigger eyes because really it's, it's when we look at it and then we make it mean something about our worth or it make it mean something about ourselves that, that makes people pull away. And actually when we can own that who we are is, is not what we've learned, but it is our responsibility to unlearn it. Then we can show up uh, in a bigger way. Um, It's not personal, Mm -hmm. but it is our responsibility. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's landed as unlearning your way into alignment. Yes, yes. So, um, and I just think right now, life is calling on something so much bigger, and it is a time. It's a big time on this planet, and it's requiring people to speak bigger, stand bigger, be more humble than ever before, and go deeper than ever before. And so you know, let's not tiptoe anymore. Let's just, let's just speak truth. (laughs) Let's just speak truth. And, and, and remember, remember um, that you can speak truth. You can experience discomfort and you can be joyful. Like what? It's not, um, one doesn't cancel out the other. Yes. You, you mentioned that a few times you said coexisting and I love it because I write about it in my book. Actually, what I've noticed is that the more, the more present we are with, with the uncomfortableness, the more joy comes through. Like the more, the more that we're willing to be with all that's there, the more freedom comes through. Like I've had moments of pain and in the actual moment of feeling the pain, I have felt so much love, you know, in the exact same moment. It's not one or the other. It, it's, it's, it's all at the same time. Actually, there's this amazing quote by um, 
Thich Nhat Tan, and he says, happiness is not a destination to get to. Happiness is a habit of, of being in full acceptance of what is in the present. Mm. Happiness is what is the gift that comes when we're fully present with what is. And, Absolutely. And that's why we can feel pain and joy in the same moment. That's why we can feel sadness and connection in the same moment. It, it, it's because we're present and we're alive. And that's where, that's where the gift is. And there's a massive, great big difference between that and this quest for being happy. You yeah. cannot be happy whilst you are experiencing <laughs> grief. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and what does um, my auntie Brene Brown say? When you numb pain, you simultaneously numb joy. Yes. Well, you're numbing life. Well, when you numb anything, you're numbing life, you know, and and, and so we think that if we keep tidying things up, we'll finally get there. But what we don't realize is that we're tidying all the life up. I had an acting, I used to be an actor, a, actress and an acting teacher said to me, because I used to be this sort of pretty little like princess that have, had everything all in place and, you know, my little pink bag. And, <laughs> and he said to me, he said to me in front of the whole class, he said, he said, Nikki, you're kind of like this semi-frozen chicken. <laughs> I was like, what? And he goes, you use all your energy to tidy up the mess in you. But what you don't realize is that the mess is the life. And I was like, and now I get what he was saying. <laughs> Nikki, that has a feeling of breathlessness, even though I'm not breathless. So as part of my somatic coaching course, we have, we coach each other and we're also provided with a somatic coach to support us in the doodah. I didn't realize how much, like, uh, you know, I'll be, I, I'm, I'm not dirty, but I'm messy. Like if I was a Mr. Men, I'd be Mr. Messy. Like that, that, that is me. I literally, and I also think in mess, like my brain is like, it's wax on, wax off kind of thing going on. <laughs> And something that was really holding me back, like I didn't want to be a coach. I had a coach that kept saying, so you're a coach. I was like, no, I'm not. You're a coach. No, I'm not. I don't want to be. Da, da, da. I'm a social worker. I'm not a coach, whatever the case may be. So when I looked into the coaching world, because I thought, okay, then what I am doing is coaching. It was all this stuff about strategy and this and that and the other. And whilst there definitely is a need for strategy and process, I got so caught up in strategy and process needing to be neat and tidy and wrestling between that and my concept of me being messy. There were so many things I wanted to do and didn't do because I kept getting stuck in, I need to tidy up first. So we did this somatic experience, being present with myself. We we're doing this following and tracking thing, like following and tracking a sensation. This was with my um, buddy. And the thing that came up was, because I'm, I was, oh, I'm not enough. You know, the, the standard things, not enough, low self-worth, da, 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 da. As we followed the sensation, it was about being a mess. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm taking this to my somatic coach. So we did some more work around that. This whole notion about, I wouldn't have got there if I was, because I can be quite clever and I can, you know, intellectualize my way out of all sorts. Listening to the body is what led me to that place. Mm -hmm. And so as we were talking uh, in the talking part of the session with the somatic coach, when I was thinking about me being a mess, I heard my dad's voice very, very clearly. You mm -hmm. Tamu, as a woman, look at your bedroom, it's a mess. Yes. And as a woman as well, he said, yes. Oh. I, was, I was 12 or something. And the day before I got into trouble for thinking that I was a woman, the next day as a woman, my bedroom shouldn't be the way it was. And my dad is very neat and tidy. And his expectation culturally is that women should be house proud, house proud neat and tidy. He just couldn't understand how I could be so messy um, as I was. But that you're a mess from him bubbled up in many ways through my formative years. Yeah. And had I not been able to be supported to mm -hmm. tune into my body, 
I would never ever have found that piece of the puzzle. Yes, yes. And how much of your life force and your power have you been using to hide the mess? So much. To express yourself fully. So Nikki, with that being said, (laughs) so in the past cup, that, that, that revelation was what, three weeks ago? So I thought, right, I I decided I don't need to launch the way people say I should launch. I'm just going to invite people to join my membership group and I'm doing it energetically. So one of my favorite gifts is Care Bears when they're standing holding hands and their hearts just beam. I was like, so I'm a Care Bear and I'm literally beam, beam, beam. Like whoever catches, catches and they come. My membership group has more than trebled. Amazing. All because somebody joined because I likened somebody to a, um, I said, if, if, if that person was a handbag, she would be a Chanel. (laughs) She's classic. She's rock solid, never comes out of stuff. Literally. I just finished sending that voice note. I saw the person joined my membership group. Somebody else joined because they knew that I sent somebody a song to support them with the intention they had set with the group. Just allowing myself to be this mess I believe I am has really opened up my energetic field and anybody that is in that field, they're just coming in. Yes. Who knew? And that's, that's maturation. When you make whole and you come home to all the parts of who you truly are of your, and you own that and you live from there, your vibrational field just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is your power. I mean, and then you just, this flow of power. Imagine if everybody on this planet did that. I think maybe earth would spin a little bit faster because we'd be vibrating. Yes. And we could create anything. We really could. If, If I were ever to, if I had one thing that I would, that I would, if I could gift human beings to know it would be that uh, how powerful they truly are like mm. this that you just enrolled all those people just by being you more you than before mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that and that gifts everyone it's mm-hmm. gifted you it's probably gifted your bank account it's gifted them mm-hmm. and then how many people that gifts like mm-hmm. it, it's generous mm-hmm. for everyone mm-hmm. oh. okay So Nikki, so that we don't end up going into like an hour and a half and two hours. (laughs) Thank you so much for your wisdom, your candor, just the beautiful energy you emit like soul food. Before we, uh, before we wrap this up, where can people find you? And do you have anything that people that want a bit of maturation can, can book onto? Yes, well, um, you can go to my website, um, www.nikkiclinch.com. Um, uh, at the moment, my programs are filled, but I'm going to be um, enrolling a new program, a couple new programs starting in September. Um, I am going, I have a professional training, so anybody who wants to come and train with me to be a maturation facilitator. Um, I will be opening doors for that enrollment soon. Um, and follow me on social media. I share there regularly as well. Um, I have soul surgery, which is my YouTube channel, uh, where I teach and I get people on and interview, um, people all about evolving and, and, and coming into alignment. So just keep watching the space. Um, Mm. and I have my book coming out next year. Wahoo! Congratulations. So before we wrap up, wrap up, Nikki, what does everyday joy mean to you? Oh, everyday joy means to me allowing myself to step out of all the roles that um, people want from me and just giving myself that space to just be my myself so stepping out of the role of of facilitator stepping out of the role of wife stepping out of the role of mom and actually just taking that time each day where i get to just listen to what i need and and to do that and that might be anything from putting my bare feet in the grass 
to lying on the trampoline and looking at the clouds um, to when we're out of lockdown, going on some amazing adventure in the jungle somewhere. Mm. <laughs> so for me, it's just giving myself that permission to always come back to myself um, and honoring that. It, and it is an honor, you know, it's an absolute honor to treat ourselves in that way. So that's just thought. made me feel all tingly inside. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I've been, I've just loved being here. Thank you so much, Tamu. I'm so glad that we spoke now as well at this absolutely, time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon. Podcast produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. Take care.